welcome to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. I am David Lindsay, co-founder, lead educator, and speaker at Phenom Leap Education. At Phenom Leap Education, we believe people have so much more inside of them than they realize. And through our services, we help them become the best versions of themselves possible. Beyond the individual, we also believe that company culture is such a large part in creating a business that not only survives, but will thrive through the tough times as we have all been through the last few years. So over the next 20 to 30 minutes, we'll be shining a spotlight on businesses that have achieved this and how you may be able to incorporate some of their ideas and philosophies into your business. Stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can become a guest on a future podcast. Now is the time to sit back, take down some notes and enjoy this episode of the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. In today's episode, I'm excited to have a chat with and learn from the president and CEO of Khan Media, Dan Khan. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and Khan Media? Thanks for having me, David. I'm happy to, to be with you today. Um, well, I've been in marketing, public relations, and the media business for about 25 years. Uh, I actually am one of the lucky few that have, I've always sort of known what I want to do. Um, I, I've had a, a lot of focus my whole life. Uh, as, a, as a young man, I, I really wanted to work in media. I started sending photos and sort of uh, articles I wrote on spec to different magazines, even as a teenager. Most of them were terrible, uh, but you know, <laughs> that's okay. It was, it was an attempt. Yeah, uh, a learning curve. Start, yeah, a learning curve, you know, and I was very fortunate also that I grew up in Los Angeles, which is a, a very media heavy town. Lot, lots of publishing companies at the time, this would be in the mid nineties, uh, were based in LA, I would say second only to maybe New York City in, in the US. Mm. So very early on, even in high school, I was writing letters to different media companies saying, hey, how do I do what you do? How do I work, you know, the way you work? How do I get in your industry? And I'm very fortunate that a few people actually wrote back and, and said, hey, you know, come out for lunch. You know, do you want to do an internship? Do you want to do some work for us freelance? And so I, I had sort of my foot in the door from an early age, worked my way through journalism school as a writer and a photographer, uh, worked in media, both first in print out of college, uh, and then made the transition to online. That was very intentional. I wanted to learn the web business kind of in the middle of the dot-com thing when it was crazy and new when and everybody booming had, there. Booming. I remember my first <laughs> web job at a dot-com. There were people driving segways up and down the hallways. They had a game room. <laughs> it was like back when like money was no object and they had like a barista in the lobby. It was really cool. Um, so that was kind of how I got my start. And then to be honest, I went into sort of this phase where I got kind of burned out and needed a, a job and, and had just mm. bought my first house, had a mortgage for the first time in my life. I, I was sort of fried on, on being on that side of the table in media. And a friend said, well, hey, I, I work for this little PR agency. Come work for us just to pay your bills until you figure out what you're gonna do. Mm. So I took that job. I enjoyed it. I liked being on sort of that side of the table on the planning and the creative side. Uh, it gave me a little more control over my own destiny. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And then worked for a few different agencies over the course of a few years as my career kind of grew. And then finally in 08, right as the whole world economy was kind of diving into a recession, <laughs> that was my genius idea was, well, this is a great time to leave. What a time to start. My own start. Company. 
Yeah, yeah. why not? And, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was a tipping point because I, you know, at the time I was very lucky that I had just gotten married. My wife had a good stable job. So worst case scenario, if it didn't work out, we weren't going to starve. Yeah. Uh, and I, that was really when social started to explode. And so I wrote a, a business plan for the agency I was working for at the time. Basically, there was an entire pivot to the business to lean into digital, into, uh, you know, social. Uh, yeah. The word influencers didn't exist yet, but it was really kind of heavily leaning on influencer strategy. Uh, agency management said, you know, this isn't really what we do for a living. And I thought, you know what? Let's give it a shot. Yeah. And, and so I started my business then, and it's been kind of a, just explosive growth ever since. And we're, we're really happy that uh, our 14th anniversary is in uh, about four days. It's November 5th, or actually about a week, November 5th, uh, as of this recording. And yeah. uh, I'm really excited because we have 30 employees. We have about two dozen clients ranging from global brands like uh, Rolex and Lotus to small manufacturing companies and some local businesses. And uh, we've had record growth this year, about 25%. Congratulations. That, that's insane having growth. Thank you. Like, so 25%, that's an enormous amount of growth. And just listening to your story then, my mind was sort of going to the 2008 when everything was about to go down. But like your mindset to take the leap then is, was a complete opposite to what the majority would do. Because my way of looking at it as well is when it's at its lowest, there's only one way to go from that. And that's, that's upward. Right. And you, you showed that. So well done with that. And I was just thinking about it. I love as well how you're not Khan PR, but you're Khan media because you do cover all these different, different avenues. So is that, is that a conscious decision? That was, that's interesting. You know, David, it's interesting. I think you might be one of the first people who's ever actually picked that up in all these years. It was a very yeah. intentional decision. Yeah. So, you know, we knew even back then, and I was trying to come up with some clever name that didn't have my last name in it and I wasn't <laughs> sure what to do. And a friend of mine actually, who is, is had an insurance company and has actually become quite successful. He's he sold his company and grown it and done all sorts of stuff. But he's the one who actually came to me and said, hey, just put your own name in it because they can't take your name away. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's, that's true. And then I was thinking, well, con PR or con marketing. And I thought, you know, I, I don't, the, the impetus behind the creation of the business from day one was we were going to look forward because I knew mm -hmm. just from my own career that the landscape of media marketing and advertising was unbelievably dynamic at the time. Yeah. And I was watching at how, you know, the pace of change was so rapid. I thought there's no way what I'm doing today is going to be what I'm doing five or 10 years from now. So why box ourselves in? Let's just call it media. Yeah. Uh, and that, that has actually really formed the backbone of the business where we were the first agency in our industry to have an in-house art department, which is traditionally more of like a creative or branding agency thing. We yeah. are the first PR agency kind of in our segment to integrate digital marketing and all the paid funnel stuff. Um, during the pandemic lockdowns, we helped a huge number of our clients pivot to direct consumer sales, even mm. though a lot of these bigger companies didn't historically do that. They'd sell through kind of traditional retail. So sort of our whole reason for being is to be dynamic and to sort of stay ahead of the curve. So that's really been yeah. kind of a driving force in that. Yeah, because I, I did notice that when I was going through website, it, it is very much a one-stop shop. You go there, you've got all these different avenues. Like you said, that's in-house. It's not outsourced, but the people come direct to you. 
And as a result of that, you being the, the head honcho, the CEO, how have you really formulated the culture in your company? Because with all the uh, companies that you've worked for, you'd be able to see them from the outside in the different cultures that they've had. So what have you really noticed that works and what doesn't really work? You're, you're so right. And that's my favorite part of my job. You know, the, the tough part of the job are the things that like every CEO kind of struggles with, which is that kind of day-to-day -day grind sort mm. of dealing with all the kind of nuts and bolts stuff. But my, my favorite part of the job, especially with my particular job running an agency the way I do, is we have a window where we can see deep inside a lot of different organizations. Mm. And it's really interesting because the role we serve is sort of unique in that in many cases, we're not only dealing with a CMO, we're usually dealing with a president or a CEO, we're dealing with all these sort of different, you know, on the manufacturing side with those kinds of clients. Well, you know, I firmly believe you show up, you got to walk the floor, you got to see the factory, yeah. you got to talk to people who are using their hands to make stuff and learn what they're struggling with and mm. what turns them on and gets them excited, go to the, you know, and talk to their customers and what do you like about this brand? What don't you like? And, and it gives us a lot of insight into these different brands and companies and cultures. And I'll be vulnerable for a minute and admit the fact that I was a pretty crap boss for the first few years I was in business. Um, I, I didn't, you know, my sort of idea of what a CEO was, was formed both through my own job experiences, which was mostly working for big media companies where I had to, mm. where I worked for a lot of like many layers of middle management and you sort of did things a certain way because that's the way we've always done them, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and in that old way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of very traditional companies that just yeah. ran the old way. And so that's sort of, I, I learned that the hard way, right? And then what I sort of saw on TV growing up, it was Mr. Spacely on the Jetsons. It was, <laughs> you know, Don Draper on Mad Men and, and you yeah. know, Tony Soprano and, you know, these very kind of stoic bordering on scary bosses that would yeah, either have no emotions. Yeah, exactly. Do it my way or get out. You know, that yeah. was sort of what, and, and that's how I grew up. That's what I saw in all of my jobs growing up was sort of mm -hmm. either your boss was stoic and totally unconnected with his staff or, was sort of scary and intimidated you into doing, you know, yeah. I had a, I had a boss at one point, one of my earlier jobs that literally would throw things at people if he didn't like what they were doing. Yeah. And yeah you'd literally duck. <laughs> yeah. And, and so. Back and wave. Right. And, and so for me, the first few years, it was either kind of walled off in my little office or it was kind of going out and browbeating people into doing what I wanted them to do. And that was a terrible way to run a business and it's mm. a terrible culture. And I, I had, and, and, you know, my kind of mantra in life, but especially in business and in my business is make every mistake once. And that's, I don't have an MBA. I was a journalism major. I do not have a business degree. Uh, I didn't know anything about finance. I didn't know anything about leadership when I started this company. So for me, it was always about like, okay, you're going to screw everything up. Just make sure you screw mm. it up once and you'll learn from it so that you can move yes. forward and learn that lesson. Yeah. And on the culture side, culture has been without question, the single most important thing in our business period, hard stop. Mm. And it's because it's a creative agency. Uh, we have an account team, we have a creative team and we have a digital team in all three cases. These are all very creative people that are all very right brain. They are all passionate. They are all emotional. And managing a group like that 
is challenging. And, and yeah. you know, if you can harness that creativity and you can make them feel safe, but also safe to take risks mm. and to express themselves and to be creative, you can really make magic. And unfortunately, if they're not managed correctly, it can become very self-destructive where creative people can also be very emotional and they can be susceptible to stress and to meltdown mm. and, you know, to bickering and infighting. And, and so I've had to learn how to build a culture and a company that is not only kind of uh, resilient, you know, because mm. a lot of what we do in media is deadline driven, right? Like, in fact, yeah. right now, as we speak, my entire team is gearing up for a major, major, major trade show. It's one of the biggest trade shows in America called SEMA, uh, which is sort of the automotive industry's biggest trade show. And they have like 100,000 people. Exactly. And we're not only representing. Busy. Yeah. So we've got a dozen companies that we're representing at the show. We also do the PR for the show. So it's hugely stressful right now. Everybody is slammed. Everybody's working long hours and long days. Well, how do you create a culture where people are not only willing to do that, but they're willing to sort of say, okay, I need to establish boundaries with work-life balance, but I'm also part of a team. I don't want to let that team down. Yeah. So how do I create a, a situation where I can still turn it off at night? I can be with my wife and kids or husband and kids or partner. I can, I can be present in my personal life when I'm at work. I'm also present at work. And again, these days, post 2020, two thirds of our staff doesn't even come into the office. They're on other parts of the country or, yeah. you know, they're remote and, and how do you create connectivity with people who are a thousand mm -hmm. miles away? Um, so we've had to kind of learn how to do all of that. And, and all of that comes down to culture and, and trust and vulnerability and, and really connecting with people in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I love what you've said there. You, you said it a few times where you kept talking about the team, we're part of the team and the listeners, they they know that my background is sports and that's what i believe that a sports team and a business team is so similar and as a ceo as a president you're the coach and you don't get stuff like you said the old school way of whipping people into it you need to have that feedback you need to get them all working in the same direction and allow their their creativeness to really come out don't try and box it in and especially in in the media space I, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to try and keep people in that box, but giving them, them that freedom, that autonomy to really expand it out there. You're absolutely right. And, and, and you know, it's funny because you talk about sports and my wife was a, an NCAA All-American athlete in college. And I was not a big sports guy growing up. And mm -hmm. I have learned so much from her that that is a mindset and it's a mm. mindset that if it's instilled in early age and, and and all three of my kids play sports and we've actually kind of leaned into that with recruiting because one of the things we've learned in the hiring process is if you can find someone and look it, sports is is a great kind of way to find people who have not only that team mentality but some resilience they mm. can take instruction they can take coaching they want to be part of a team you know, it could also be someone who has military service. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be a sports background, but yeah. it, it certainly is a, it, it helps because it yeah. really shows that they're open to sort of that mindset. Mm. And one thing is what you said before was you, you learn on the run. And that's what a lot of people, you know, that do have their MBAs, they do have all of these classy qualifications. They don't learn the real world actioning of it and know that it's all right to fail. 
but as you said, you fail once. You fail because I, I like to say you fail fast, you fail forward, you tap and evolve. So it's constantly learning from that. What's a few experiences, especially when it comes to culture, especially with the early days where you really just went, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. And then learn from it, turn it around and potentially even leaped forward. Yeah. So, I mean, one that kind of pops to mind uh, certainly is uh, when my second daughter was, was born. So this would have been in 2013. Um, I already had a, you know, a two-year-old at home. My second kid was born. Business was at that point, we were about five years in. And so we had just kind of reached that stability point where, okay, like I wasn't worrying every day about meeting payroll you know, we were like, you know, things weren't explosive, but they were stable. And mm -hmm. up until that point, that first four or five years, I was going in every weekend. I was my own janitor. I was mopping the floors. I was cleaning my own bathrooms. I was afraid to hire a cleanup crew. Mm -hmm. I was just terrified every day that like some, something would happen in the business collapse. And I finally got to a point where I thought, okay, we've got a good client base. Business is good. Business is stable. I've got the second baby at home. I've got a toddler at home. I really mm. need to make sure my work-life balance is on point, which was true. I should, I, that was important. Yeah. But sort of the takeaway of all that was, I thought, you know, it's time to slow down. And I don't need to pitch new business every day. I don't need to constantly be growing the business. Maybe slowing thing down, things down is okay. And I sort of continued to do good work for the clients, but I also was sort of throttling back a little bit on development. And yeah. right as that all started to happen, we had two things happen simultaneously. The first was our biggest and first account at the agency that brought us all the way through that first five years was having his own financial difficulties that I didn't know about. Mm. And he actually was almost exactly this time of year. We got him through the trade show that we're about to go to next week. Yeah. We did a huge amount of work to get him to that trade show. And then we got back from the trade show on day one, we got back. He said, hey, unfortunately, I need to terminate our contract. And I also can't pay your open invoices. And that was a blow. That'd be. Yeah. And then a week later, I get news from our second biggest account, who was a, a friend and a good client. And this was not his fault, but he had been the victim of a hostile takeover attempt. He said, I really hate to tell you this. I'm really sorry, but I'm having to de uh, I'm declaring chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. So we're not going to be able to pay you moving forward. And that one-two punch. Yeah, kicking the guts. Was unbelievable. And it, and it happened right as kind of we were in this phase where I hadn't been developing new leads for a while because I had made that conscious decision to sort of let things sort of coast for a little while. Mm. And it was rough. And I couldn't take a paycheck for a year. Um, the business barely eked out. It barely survived. You know, my focus was keep my employees paid, make payroll, make rent, survive. And that yeah. meant I didn't take a paycheck. It, we ate through our savings. Our savings were down to zero. And just as we kind of it took about a year to recover from that, things started happening. And, and then we just started on stratospheric growth after that. And um, coming out of that, I learned a lot of lessons. I learned, okay, so first of all, there's no point ever where you can just take your foot off the gas. It doesn't matter how good things are. You always have to be prepared for tomorrow because yeah. my responsibility is not just to my own family, but to my employees and to their families um, and to their commitments. And, and I take that kind of, when I hire somebody, I, I take that vow pretty seriously that I'm there to take care of them as long as yeah. they're a good employee. 
Yeah. And uh, really leaned into that. And, and coming out of that, we ended up being, uh, being named to Inc. Magazine's fastest growing companies in America three years in a row. Congratulations. Um, that's huge. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Adweek named us the fastest growing agency or one of the uh, hundred fastest growing agencies in America. Um, so we had a lot of growth coming out of that and we've been mm. able to sustain it ever since, but it was a hard lesson learned because it was one that almost killed us. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine. And right, right there as well. It goes back to what, what we were talking about earlier on with the resiliency that, that you showed and get going to that point where so many people, you know, just before it hit the bottom and started to go up and not just up at a slow, but exponential growth. That's where so many people just, you know, tap and give up as opposed to like, like you said, learning about it, you, you, you made the mistake, you learn from it and you, you grew from it and grew at a, a crazy rate. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and that's sort of, you know, that has become sort of the backbone of most of my management style is not only for myself personally, try to, you know, make every mistake once and learn from yeah. it, but allow people the grace on my team to do that too. Yeah. And that has been sort of the second sort of lesson I've, I've learned over the last couple of years is as I've altered and tried to kind of consciously change my management style, one of the things that I've done is I've stopped being the Mr. Spacely from the Jetsons. I don't browbeat <laughs> people anymore, you know, and I, I have a check-in with every employee every month, at least once a month, uh, with no agenda. So 30 times a month, I'm getting on a call with or, or face-to-face with an employee, and there is no agenda other than just how are you feeling, how are you doing, what obstacles have you hit, and, and how yeah. can I help take those obstacles down? And the thing that has been amazing for me, David, about all that is, is not just hopefully I'm giving them the opportunity to vent and to learn and, and to share mm. frustrations and all of that, but by being open to that feedback and to those kind of real conversations with my staff, I have learned so much. I've learned about yeah, these people as people, but I've also learned about my own company. I've learned about challenges where we've got it. We have one employee in particular who's only been with us now about six, six or eight months. She hasn't been with us very long. And she came in and shocked me in that the very first couple of one-on-ones we had, you know, normally they come in, there's still, because a lot of employees aren't used to that open door yeah, policy. A little bit shy. And they're that. kind of shy. Yeah, yeah. They're a little defensive. <laughs> no, no, everything's great. And you're like, well, you gotta have something. No, no, everything's fine. Yeah. Really? Like, okay. <laughs> she came in and was just, Hey, I have a, I, I came prepared with a list and she just starts going <laughs> through the list here. Why do we do this this way? This seems like a stupid way to do it. And yeah. why is this system put in place this way? It seems really inefficient. And how can we use this software? It doesn't work right. And, 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 and the old million though, it is. And, and 10 years ago, I would have probably gotten defensive in that moment mm. and said, you know, well, we do it because that's how we do it. You know, just yeah. like I was. We've always done it. Right. That's the way we do it. But instead, I tried to be as sort of open to that conversation as possible. And as a result, we're dramatically changing a lot of our systems and processes based on that feedback because she's in the trenches every day. Yeah. And as much as I like to Love think that. that I am, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm working on the P&L and I'm doing new business development. I am not in the trenches. I am not the one who's out there building campaigns and talking to media people and, you know, working on social content. It, it, she is and, and her, her coworkers are. And, 
the fact that she had the kind of the tenacity to come to me and say, I think there's better ways to do this. Now, not everything she suggested worked out, but a lot of things she did actually did improve our own internal systems. And so mm-hmm. really kind of my, my real other takeaway, I would say, is, is that, you know, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be willing to actually hear your people so you can learn from them. Mm. And that, that's something, again, I would now revert things back to sports, but everyone, well, the majority of people can relate to that. Whereas, yeah, no longer the dictator, but you're the coach. Because when I was coaching football, same sort of thing. I'm not in the trenches. I'm on the sideline. I can't hear the nitty gritty. I don't know what's going on at an organic level. And as a coach as well, I want problems and I need problems, but we also need solutions with that. And having that openness would just really give the staff, give your staff empowerment. And that as well to me, from my outside looking in and having this chat with you, that cultivates that, that teamwork. It cultivates that, or not just the autonomy, but also that they have that buy-in into the business. You're right. You're absolutely right. It, it does breed sort of a, a loyalty and a buy-in that, that mm. they wouldn't normally have. And I, I love hearing that because so often the, the old school CEOs are, like you said, it's just, we've, we've always done it this way. That's how we're going to do it. But yet you, and even if from that, you might have 10 things, just one thing really helps elevate that that's um, gold in itself. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, I am constantly trying to learn and mm. whether I'm learning from my employees or from my clients or from my board uh, or podcasts like yours, you know, that, that's sort of my, my job is I think any CEO who thinks they know everything that they need to know to do their job well is a fool. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not constantly learning from the people around you, you will be left behind. Yeah. And you, if you're not learning from them, you've simply got the wrong people around you as well. And I am very conscious of the time because I, I do just tend to get carried away with this sort of stuff because I love having the conversation with you and with the other guys, just because I'm absorbing everything that you guys are saying. And I love it. But one thing that I really like to do is I like to ask everyone, what's three pieces of advice that you will give to a 15 year old Dan? And I say a 15 year old Dan, not your kids, because your kids will go, oh, dad, you don't know that. But what are three pieces of advice would you give to a 15 year old Dan? Yeah, good question. And, I, and you're right, my kid would say, dad, you don't know that. Um, <laughs> um, I would say, you know, the first piece of advice is, is be patient, take a moment and, and breathe. You know, 15 year old me was very, I wanted everything the way I wanted it and I want it right now. And I think that's probably pretty common for, for young people. And the older I get, the more I realize that, that really, if you have your, your sights set on the horizon and you know what you want and you're, you're headed in that direction, just keep going. And eventually, most of the things that you want or you're trying to achieve will happen with time and focus. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen right away. And, and that sort of uh, tenacity and willingness to kind of be patient and wait for things mm. to come to you, I think, does come with time, but it is important. Um, a second piece of advice I, I would also say is try to remember kindness. You know, I, I mm. for many years, was in, in, I was so driven by my own career and my own kind of wants and needs that it sort of crowded out the idea that 
you know, by being kind to people and being receptive and, and caring to the people around you, they'll help you on your journey and, and you can help them too. Mm. Uh, and that is something that I think also kind of came to me as I sort of matured into middle age. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the third piece of advice I would say is to, to not lose track of that inner voice. And, and I, I think that sometimes in today's world, especially post-pandemic, we're all so mm. busy with our phones and our tablets and our Zoom calls and, you know, calendar notifications. And I think a lot of people now that they're working remote, um, yeah. it's getting harder and harder to sort of draw a line between home and work and personal life, and work life and emails coming through all hours of the night. And it's very easy to sort of get caught up in that whirlwind. But it, it is important, I think, to stop and sit in a quiet room and reflect and whether you meditate or you pray or whatever it is you do to mm. sort of take that quiet moment. I think it's important to do that every day to stay centered and, and really to sort of reflect on what you're doing and where you've been and where you want to go. Yeah. And I love it. And those, all of those three pieces of advice, I can really see how they come together to create a whole unit as well. So that, that's some brilliant advice that I wish also a 15 year old David would have heard about as well. It's not just content hustle and bustle. And then what's the best place for people to get in contact with you and who would be your ideal client to all the listeners out there? Oh, great. Thank you. So yeah, conmedia.com, K-A-H-N media.com is our website and they can learn a lot about us on the site and there's a contact us form that goes straight to me uh, or they can always email me at dan at conmedia.com uh, and honestly we work with outdoor uh, lifestyle transportation you know cars boats motorcycles camping fishing hunting kind of any of the sort of uh, oh the good stuff yeah all the lifestyle brands yeah. are are our uh uh, are all kind of our ideal clients. And we sort of think of ourselves as the marketing agency down the hall, just sometimes the hall's a little longer than others. Mm. I love it. And Dan, I just want to say thank you so much for being a fantastic guest. I know that I've got plenty of takeaways from this as well. And I'm sure the listeners will. They, I, I hope they had a notepad and pen to take down some notes. And if they didn't, guys, grab a notepad and pen, listen to it again and take down notes. But Dan, thank you very much for spending the time with us today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight podcast. If you're a successful chief operations officer, human resource manager, or someone that runs a successful business that also has a great company culture, and you believe that you have a story to share with the wider community and would like to be a guest on a future podcast, please visit the link below. Or if you can think of anyone who you know would be a brilliant guest on this podcast, tag them in. And as always, feel free to share this far and wide. The further we can get this podcast, the more impact we can have. So don't forget to share this on all social media platforms and help others along the way. Don't forget to tag the DCCS podcast as I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. As we post regularly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss episodes that will possibly help your business ramp up to a whole nother level. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to helping us get recognized and to promote the show. And they mean a lot to my team and I. If you want to know more, go to our website, www.phenomleap.com.au. P-H-E-N-O. 
O-M-L-E-A-P.com.au or follow me on LinkedIn and feel free to message me there. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to giving you more tips on next week's episode.